Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, I'll be doing first round recaps, the Philly series against Brooklyn, and also Boston versus Atlanta, and we'll look ahead to the Philadelphia Boston series. Miami Heat versus the Milwaukee Bucks, also my New York Knicks versus Cleveland Cavaliers, and I will preview my Knicks going up against the hated Miami Heat. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so I am back, your boy GD, and this is the All Things Basketball Podcast with GD. So let us get into, in this episode, I want to talk about the first round. I want to put a bow on the first round, and then we'll start talking about the conference semifinals, kind of a preview of that. So... So, with that said, let's get right into it. We'll start in the East. We will start with the first series that actually finished the quickest. And that was the number three seed, the Philadelphia 76ers. And they took the Brooklyn Nets, the sixth seed, in four games, four to zero. So, they completed the sweep, which, by the way, I pretty much predicted. So, anyhow, here's how it shook out. Game one, Philly won that one, 121 to 101. Of course, that was in Philly. Then game two, you had Philadelphia winning 96 to 84, where Tyrese Maxey had the explosion game there. And then on to game three at the Barclays Center in a game that was pretty physical. A lot of flagrants being thrown. Also, it was a game where Embiid got hurt late in that game. And also, James Harden, he got ejected from the game with a flagrant two, which was the foul call was ridiculous. But I digress. Anyway, so, but Philly wins game three, 102 to 97. And then game four, without Embiid, the Nets were able to make it a game, actually. But... In the end, Philadelphia in the second half pulled away and won the game 96-88. to So, for Philly, heroes abound. Tyrese Maxey had one fine series, kind of his coming out series there. Tobias Harris had a strong series as well. He showed up big time, especially in game four. Joel Embiid, he only played in three of the games, guys. So, but Joel Embiid... Pretty much doing Joel and B things, but allowing others to get off as well. So, which would be a big help to this team, of course. And then you have James Harden, who he had an okay series. Could have shot better, that's for sure. Percentages were really down in terms of from the field. And he only went to the free throw line about 11 times. Yeah, so you want to see him get more active when it comes to getting fouls and being able to go to the free throw line. So, but in any event, Philly was able to prevail. So, and for Brooklyn, a few bright lights there, of course. Mikhail Bridges still continues to impress. Cam Johnson as well. 
Spencer Dinwiddie could have had a better series, but that wasn't to be. Again, <laughs> I point to the fact uh, if he concentrated on tightening up his game and not worrying about Kyle Kuzma, who, oh, by the way, he kind of clowned him after Dinwiddie and his nets got swept. So to the loser goes the ridicule. So that's the way that goes. So with that series over now, what's next for Brooklyn? Well, Brooklyn definitely has to start building around Mikael Bridges as well as Cam Johnson. Those are going to be your foundational pieces over there. That's for sure. They need veteran leadership. Veteran leadership in some capacity. So, which leads me to the next thing on their agenda. Ridden themselves of Ben Simmons and that contract of his. So, won't be easy to move that. That's for sure. I had mentioned in last podcast in my tale of two villains, a possible Draymond for Ben Simmons swap. It's not an even swap because of all the money Ben Simmons is making, so you have to throw some filler in. They definitely have to get rid of Ben Simmons, that's for sure. So, continuing to develop guys like Nick Claxton and Dayron Sharp, your center's there. Maybe bring in a veteran center there that can kind of be a help to them or a big man coach. Something to kind of help these guys go along. Nick Claxton did have a fine year. I'm not, not going to take that away from him, but there's always room for improvement. So those are a few things that Brooklyn can do in terms of improvement. So then we'll talk about the Boston and Atlanta series. Boston, the number two seed, they beat the seventh seed Atlanta four games to two. Here's how it shook out. And it was weird because the, it's funny because it's a six game series. The first three games, the home teams won. The last three games, the road teams won. Go figure. So, the first game, Boston wins 112 to 99. Then, they win the second game in Boston, 119-106. to Then heading back to Atlanta, Atlanta gets the win there, 130-122. to And then Boston steals the game in Atlanta, 129-121. to And then in Boston, you figured Boston would close it out and kind of shut the door. But it was a game where they let Atlanta linger and linger and linger. And then a deep, Deep three from Trey Young kind of sealed the deal in that game. So they win that 119 to 117. And then going back to Atlanta where they had to bump Janet Jackson from the schedule. She was supposed to appear that night, but her concert got canceled because of the Atlanta game. So and Boston won that 128 to 120. After which Jason Tatum made a public apology to Janet Jackson for having to play that game there. They said if they would have took care of business at home, they wouldn't have had to. So credit Tatum for having awareness in terms of the legendary Janet Jackson. So anyhow, so let's talk about Boston. Boston, of course, is led by their big two, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And both guys did not disappoint had solid games for their team. Jalen Brown, he's got to tighten it up from the free throw line, though. 
He's been missing a lot from there lately. He was only 11 for 19. But still, he was solid from the field. Other than that, that's just kind of nitpicking here. But these are your two go-to guys. Then you had Derek White, who had a very good series. Very good series for him. He's part of that starting lineup now. So and he's just been delivering Marcus Smart. Pretty much doing Marcus Smart things. He had a very good series as well. A little chirpy with Trey Young. It is nearly at least came back to haunt him, but the Celtics were able to prevail. So that's the way that goes. For Atlanta, of course, everything starts and ends with Trey Young, who had a very good series. Still, the shooting isn't where you like it to be, but that's what you have to accept when you have Trey Young. So I think this series here kind of quiets the noise in terms of the Trey. Trey Young, all the noise coming into this series. I think that talk kind of dies down. DeJounte Murray, he had a very good series. He did miss game five with after game four. When the game was over, he went and bumped the ref and said something to him. So that cost him a one game suspension. So for game five, he wasn't available. Thankfully, Atlanta was able to pull out the win. So he came back for game six, but all for naught because Boston won. So, again, DeJounte Murray, very good series for him. DeAndre Hunter, he's proven himself to be a nice number three guy for that team there. John Collins, I don't know what happened to him, guys. It's obvious there's a bit of a passing of the torch here where DeAndre has surpassed Collins here. So, what's next for Atlanta? Well, they'll have a full training camp and season with new coach Quinn Snyder. Because remember, he came in late because they fired Nate McMillan. So, now you'll get a whole training camp and season to learn Snyder and his system. So, I think that'll bear better results for them next year, depending on the moves they make. But I think they have enough here to be definitely a player in terms of the Eastern Conference teams. Then you'll have another season of Trey and DeJounte together, provided they don't trade Trey Young, which I don't, again, I don't see them doing it. I really don't. So I think they rather say, you know what? It was tumultuous. You know, we ended up firing the coach. We brought in the new coach. Let's see how these guys do now with the new coach on board. So I think they'll stick with this backcourt. That's for sure. Now the question is what to do with John Collins and Clint Capella. Is it Oneka Okongwu time yet? They've been kind of splitting their time, Capella and his all year. So I think the time is coming where they want to give him the center, starting center spot for next year. So just to see what he can bring. So, I would be on the lookout for them trying to move John Collins. He has three years left on his deal at $79 million, So, you have to find a taker who's willing to take on that contract. And Clint Capella, he has two years left on his deal at $43.8 million, So, which is not terrible. So, I would imagine there will be takers for either guy. So, 
I'd be surprised. I think at least one of these guys go, if not both, for next year. So, all right. So, with that said, I talked about those two series. Now, the matchup. The number two seed, that's the Boston Celtics, facing the number three seed, the Philadelphia 76ers. And what is a classic series, you can go all the way back to the 60s even with Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain. You can go back that far. You can go move up to the 80s with Julius Irving, Larry Bird, that rivalry there. So then if you want to move up the ladder still, Allen Iverson versus Paul Pierce and his squad. So you can go there if you want, but this is a rivalry that's been around for a while, guys. You know, it pops up every now and again, so now we have it back on the map. What Boston needs to do? Boston definitely needs to contain Joel Embiid, provided he's healthy, and also the bench. Boston bench, they're going to need that bench in this series going up against Philly's bench, so I fully expect the, their bench unit to show up. It has all year with Malcolm Brogdon, your eventual sixth man of the year. I'll talk about the postseason awards in another podcast. As well as Robert Williams. You got him coming off the bench now. So he's coming in as a bench player as opposed to a starter. It seems like that's working for them. Also, you have a Grant Williams still. You have him there, Sam Hauser as well. So you have that bench there that's pretty solid going up against the Philly bench as well. So, And of course, continue solid play from guys like Derek White and from Marcus Smart. So I think with Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think what you see is what you get from them. So I think they're going to continue to play very well. So what Philly must do. Philly definitely need, they need a healthy Embiid, that's for sure. He has the sprained knee. Uh, right now, they're saying he's doubtful, so we'll see if he's available. James Harden must shoot better and play better. He has to in this series. It, it, this is where, you know, the rubber kind of meets the road, guys. James Harden, he's pretty much singing for a supper because he'll be a free agent, so he's going to have to show and prove, guys, so... And then, of course, the continued great play they've been getting from Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. You know, there's times where Tobias can go into hiding, but in these playoffs here, they're going to need him. They're going to need him big time. And as the lights shine brighter, will Maxey still be able to do what he's doing? I have confidence in the kid. I think he can. So definitely, they're going to need those contributions there. So the key matchups... Tatum and Brown versus Tobias Harrison, P.J. Tucker pretty much. So those two guys are going to have their hands full with Tatum and Brown. So I look forward to seeing how they match up. James Harden versus Marcus Smart. I think this is a matchup here. Marcus Smart has to play it smart, no pun intended. I don't think he can be chirpy a bit with Harden because you don't want to awake the beast sort of speaks so I think he plays him tough I think he plays solid D on him and we'll see if Hart can rise and shine and then you have of course Al Horford who's been starting at center now along with Robert Williams the third versus Embiid so I'll be interested to see how they 
rotate off of Embiid because you know Embiid once he get going you know he can draw those fouls he can definitely put your center position at risk so I'll be very curious to see how that matchup plays out and then one that's kind of low-key but I think it's vital Derek White versus Tyrese Maxey I think you have the experience versus the youth you have a guy who Derek White is kind of a two-way player and you have Maxi who can definitely get his at the drop of a dime. So that's like a low-key matchup, but I think it is key, though. With that said, prediction time. What do I predict? Well, okay, I'm going to have this caveat. If Embiid plays the whole series, it's not looking like that's going to happen yet, guys. Boston in seven. If he plays five or less games, then I'm going to say Boston in six. I think... Philly will have enough pride to pull out at least two games, but beyond that, I don't see it. And then that's interesting, too. At the same time, you have Philly with Doc Rivers as the coach going up against his former team. Once upon a time, he won a championship with them, the Boston Celtics. So that's an interesting wrinkle to it as well. So, all right. So, yeah. So I'm picking Boston. In seven, if Embiid plays a whole series, in six, if he does not. So that's the way I'm calling that. So let's move on to the next series. You have the number eight seed, Miami, over the number one seed, and they beat them four games to one. It's not many times this happens, guys. I think it's happened only six times, I believe. So there you have it. How did it happen? Here's how the games broke down. Miami took the first game 130 to 117. And in that game, Giannis Antetokounmpo injures his back. He leaves the game. He comes back and tries to play, but it's a no-go. So he ends up missing the second half of that game. So he ends up missing the next two games. So game two and game three he misses. Game two they did win in Milwaukee 138 to 122. And then heading to Miami. Miami gets that game 111 to 99. And then also with Giannis back, they still get the win in a game four where Jimmy Butler just explodes, guys. 56 points. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so they get the win there. 119 to 114. And then in game 5, of course, Jimmy Butler hits the game winner. And they win that game. 128 to 126. So, in the series, Jimmy Butler just goes nuclear, guys. He scores in in those games. He has a 35-point game. 25-point game. Then 30. Then the 56 I mentioned. And then in the clinching game, he drops 42. So, Jimmy Butler just playing out of his mind. Shooting amazingly well. Nearly 60% from the field. Solid from three. Free throws, problematic, surprisingly so. He missed, in fact, 14 free throws in that series. So, definitely need to tighten the screws on that. Then, bam, out of Bayou had a solid series as well. Gabe Vincent gave them a little something. Kevin Love, now they have him in the lineup now. So, oh, by the way, for Miami, Tyler Hero gets 
hurt in game one. And then later in the series, they lose Victor Oladipo to a knee injury, a torn ACL. Again, I mentioned in the previous podcast, you feel for the young man, that's for sure. Tyler Hero, he's going to be gone four to six weeks. So as they go deeper into the playoffs, he could be available. So we'll see what happens there. Then for Milwaukee, Giannis only playing the three games. He had Giannis-type numbers. Horrendous from the free throw line, guys. Yeah, I'll talk about Giannis in a minute. Chris Middleton, where would they be without him? I mean, they got the one game with him. um, But that's good news for Milwaukee, in fact. The fact that Middleton is back and playing well. So that definitely bodes well. Brooke Lopez, he actually stepped up in Giannis's absence to provide more offense and did that. So definitely kudos to him. Drew Holiday had a rough series. The numbers look solid overall, but he did have a tough time with Jimmy Butler. So much so, Jimmy got in his face and said, I own you. And otherwise, you know, Holiday had a decent series. It's just the defense he had to play definitely wore on him. That's for sure. So now what's next for Milwaukee? They're going to reevaluate Coach Bootenholzer. And those decisions he made in that series, definitely game four and five, definitely you got to look at that with a kind of a raised eye. So far, they're saying the right things. They're saying they support Coach Bud. So things can change very quickly, guys. So I'll leave it at that. Giannis and his reemergence coming back for game four and five. And then, of course, you have to talk about his post-game The interview where he talked about failure, he kind of took the reporter to task, so to speak, and kind of called him out, and he drew the comparison to Michael Jordan. He won six championships, played 15 years, so we're the nine years disappointment, so that sort of thing. So here's what I'm going to say. I don't have any knowledge of this whatsoever, but here's what I will say. I think somewhere down the line, we're going to find out there was more going on with Giannis at least, other than the hurt back. I think that that news may trickle out. Again, I don't have any knowledge one way or the other, but where you see he was distracted. I'll just leave it at that. So, with that said, their major free agents, Brooke Lopez, he is unrestricted. You got a Jay Crowder. By the way, where in the world was Jay Crowder? You had this guy going off, going crazy. Jay Crowder, who's was once upon a time at least known as a good defender. Where was he on him? So, needless to say, I don't think Jay Crowder comes back. Because he was not happy with the minutes that he got and so forth. Which sounds reminiscent to what was going on in Phoenix. Also, Joe Ingles, Wes Matthews, Miles Leonard. And also with a player option is Chris Middleton. So... Could be a very interesting summer for the Bucks. One in where they look very different come training camp of the 2023-24 season. So definitely we'll be on the lookout for that. That's for sure. So now let's get into the series I watched with a very close eye. And that was the Knicks-Cleveland series. The number five seed. The Knicks over the four seed Cleveland Cavaliers. They took that series four games to one. How New York did it? Let's talk about it. 
Knicks in game one stole a game in Cleveland 101 to 97 with Jalen Brunson just ah the man oh boy he's playing man so they got the win there game two Cleveland writes the ship and blows the Knicks out in Cleveland 107 to 90 oh here's what I want to say about the series it seemed like the team that made it to 100 points and over got the win and that was pretty much the case in just about every game. Game three, back at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. The Knicks get that win in a blowout, 99-79. to 79. So this was the only game in which one of the teams didn't score 100 and over. But Knicks got the significant win. Then you have game four. The Knicks get that one, 102-93. And by the way, both of those home games... R.J. Barrett, who starts off cold, comes alive once he got back to his familiar surroundings, which is Madison Square Garden. And then you had Game 5. It was a rough Game 5, guys. So much so, Randall once again sprained his ankle. That's going to be a touch-and-go situation, guys, so we'll see what happened there. But the Knicks were able to prevail 106-95, to so... For the Knicks, Jalen Brunson, that man is worth every penny of that contract so far. I mean, he had a amazing series, guys. Could have shot a little bit better from the field. I'm nitpicking here, but all in all, he was the floor general. He was the captain. He led by example. Absolutely excellent from the free throw line. Only missing one free throw in the whole series. Kudos to him. Julius Randle had a rough series. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. 10 points under his season average. About 4 rebounds under his season average. Shot it. Not so great from the field. Horrendous from 3. From the free throw line. Eh, he was okay. But I would just brush this off as he had to go against a guy like Evan Mobley who was on him like glue. I'll just chalk it up as that. But Randall has a history against his next opponent i'll talk about that in a minute rj barrett i tell you what man there was people in the media writing him off for dead and i'll steal a phrase from my man walt clive frazier like lazarus he rose from the dead and that he did in game three four and five by the way so rj barrett's maybe this is his coming out party guys We'll see what happens. But I was very encouraged by his play. Josh Hart, what more can I say about this man? He is a New York Nick through and through. And on the court, man, he does all that you need to do in order to help a team win, man. I mean, his rebounding for his size, absolutely critical. And you want comedy? (laughs) Watch him in the postgame with with his guy, uh, Jalen Brunson. You know, they both college teammates. Pure comedy, guys. But he's a guy who seems like he keeps the team loose with his character there. But he is such a welcome addition to this team, man. So, And then you have Mitchell Robinson, who absolutely dominated the last two games. I mean, he did yeoman's work on the offensive glass in those last two games. Pretty much kind of neutralizing Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. So... Kudos to Mitchell Robinson, that's for sure. Then for Cleveland, of course, Donovan Mitchell, he had the strong first game. He had a solid second game. But after that, he the shooting was not so great. 
from the field. You know, he got his points, but he had to work hard to get him, guys. In game four, he was MIA. What can you do, guys? The, these these sort of things happen. It seems like it happens for him in the playoffs every now and again. We saw it last year when he was with Utah and when Jalen Brunson was with the Dallas Mavericks. Once again, we see Donovan Mitchell coming up short in the playoffs. Well, his team. Then Darius Garland, who had an up-and-down series. It just seemed like he had trouble in this series. There was times where he looked brilliant and times where he just looked like he faded. And especially in that game five, he had a solid game, but he ended up fouling out. It, it was just strange to see, but... I mean, he's still a all-star-like player. It'll be interesting to see him and Mitchell kind of learn each other still. But, yeah, very curious series that he had. I mean, you know, the numbers look good, but, yeah, the efficiency wasn't quite there from the field. Yeah, it was just something lacking. Karis LeVert, who they employed him as a starter, like, in Game 3, Hoping to get a you know a spark because Isaac Okora was giving them nothing on offense. I mean he you know he helped them for the most part, but they still couldn't overcome the Knicks. So, and then there's Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Mobley's numbers were down, that's for sure, especially his scoring as well as Jared Allen and his rebounding as well. So again, you got to credit Mitchell Robinson for just being a man among boys in the paint against Cleveland. So what's next for Cleveland? Before I even say that, can we now put to bed the ridicule that the Knicks got for passing on Donovan Mitchell? Knicks did what was best for them and Utah did what was best for them. So can we just kill the noise now, now that this series is over. So, Cleveland organization seems like they're giving the stamp of approval for B.J. Bickerstaff. They're not faulting him with this series, so you gotta give them credit for that. They're giving him a little bit of rope here, so. Mobley gotta hit the gym, man. He gotta add some more muscle, man. In this series, he just got kind of thrown around like a ragdoll. He's gotta put some muscle on, that's for sure, so. But Cleveland will be there. They're going to be there. As long as you got guys like Mitchell and Garland, you know, your team's going to be relevant. No real free agent worries for them. Not of major significance. So they're fine in that regard. So with that said, oh, before I get to the Nick and Miami series, everyone's darling Stephen A. Smith and then Michael Rappaport. Oh, they got slammed on social media, especially a Michael Rappaport, who we last saw in a Brooklyn Nets jersey rooting for Brooklyn when they were in the playoffs last year. So they got killed for, you know, all of a sudden being these Nick lovers where social media had to pull out the receipts on Rappaport where he said he's no longer a Knicks fan because they fired David Fisdale. So everybody's pulling receipts on him. And then you got... Shows like Undisputed bringing him on as the resident Nick fan. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, If you even glance at the games, don't you see a Fat Joe there? Don't you see Tracy Morgan there? Don't you see Chris Rock even? He shows up there. Ben Stiller. I mean, there's a bunch of guys you could bring on that are more knowledgeable about the Knicks than Rappaport. That's for sure. 
And then you have Stephen A. Smith. You know, I wonder sometimes, is the bag really worth it? You know, everybody will defend him. Oh, he's just a irrational Nick fan. But when you have a segment where the segment is named, should Stephen A. get credit for RJ's emergence in the series? And then he comes out and say that he's owed an apology for... I, 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 I don't even want to get into it, but... You're getting kind of full of yourself, aren't you? RJ got back to where he's familiar, Madison Square Garden, and he played. It's as simple as that. It's not because you said after game two that you can't play RJ no more. So he he heard you say that. He went in the gym and said, I'm going to prove Stephen A. wrong. You're thinking too much of yourself, bruh. It'll work like that. The man went back in the lab after those games in Cleveland. And he was in a hostile environment. So remember he didn't have all that great uh, series rather against Atlanta two years ago. So he knows the errors of his ways. The one thing you could say about RJ. He's going to go and work on this game. He's going to try to at least. So I give more of the credit to him working on his game. And finding where he's comfortable. Where he can help the team. I'm not giving credit to somebody who's on TV for his reemergence. That's absurd. So, all I'm going to say, you're going to start to see the bandwagon fans come. So, everybody who claims they're Nick fans and this and that. So, we got the receipts. We know who's real. We know who's not. We know what shows has credibility and which shows do not. Of course, CP, the franchise driver, he does a great job with his show, Nick Fan TV. Also, my guy, Danny B, when he does his Nick game wrap-ups from the car the next morning. So, those are the guys I see as more credible when it comes to breakdown of the Knicks. But, yeah, I'll just leave it at that, guys. But, anyhow, I'm done ranting. Let's get into my prediction. My prediction here for this series, the Knicks against Miami, which... Want to talk about rivalry. This is rivalry, guys. Remember, Pat Riley leads the Knicks to go to Miami. Then you have the knockdown drag-out battles that they had back in the 90s. This is a blood matchup right here. So, what the Knicks need to do. They're going to need to close out on those three-point shooters, guys. You cannot. You gave away a lot in the Cleveland series. You cannot do that in this series. They got some guys who can knock it down from three. Especially a Duncan Robinson, who they're going to have to lead on heavy right now, guys. You, you got to keep guys like Matt Struess, Gabe Vincent, also Khalid Martin. You're going to have to keep him at bay. So definitely going to have to keep an eye out on that. And even Jimmy Butler for the most part. Also, you must have a healthy Julius Randle. Julius Randle was a large reason why we had success against Miami during the season. So you definitely need him now. Continued strong play from Jalen Brunson, who's just doing, once again, tremendous work. Mitchell Robinson, continue to control the paint, continue to be that defensive menace inside. R.J. Barrett as well. The bench mob, you definitely need the bench mob to show up quickly. Hart, Hartenstein, well, Hart is actually, oh, he will be coming off the bench if Grimes come back. Oh, by the way, we... Didn't have grinds for two of those five games. So that's a cause for a bit of concern. 
Oh, and also slowing down Jimmy Butler, which you have the bodies to do it, guys. You have a coach in Tom Thibodeau who knows Jimmy Butler, who saw him come up as a pup, and now he's the big dog now. So if anybody knows him, it's Tom Thibodeau. So we'll see how he has him defended in this series. What Miami needs to do, they need contribution from the other guys. I mean, I looked at the numbers as far as Miami goes. It was really Jimmy Butler, a little bit of Bam, wee bit of Vincent, and that was it, guys. So if you can kind of keep Butler at bay, I think Bam is going to be Bam. But keep those other guys from getting off, I, I think he got a real strong chance here. Again, and also Kyle Lowry, he's a guy who can kind of get hot from three. You need to watch him as well. And they need their bench to produce. Because you know the Nick bench is going to show up. I have good reason to believe they're going to show up now. Quickly has awakened. He slumped in the first couple of games of the Cleveland series. But he started to come to life. Miami bench must match the Knicks bench. Which I don't know if they can do that. And they must contain Brunson. Cleveland, they did try to do that. Try to send a taller guy on Brunson. It worked in spurts, but not overall. But you're going to need to have to do that. So, key matchups, of course, Jimmy Butler versus, I think it'll be a steady diet of R.J. Barrett. Maybe you'll start Grimes out on him if he's healthy and ready. R.J. and, of course, Josh Hart. So, I think it's going to be a rotation of those three guys there on him. And then, another matchup for me, Bam Adebayo and Kevin Love versus... Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson. If Randle is right, I love this matchup for the Knicks. I do. I think a Julius Randle who is healthy can wreak havoc on Miami's bigs. I believe that. So, And we saw that during the season. So he's going to have to show up, guys. So with that said, my prediction. I said it in first round. I'll say it in this round. Knicks in six. I think the Knicks will win probably the first two games. I think in Miami, we could steal one. I think Jimmy Butler gets mad and takes one game here. And then I think we go to Miami and close them out. So that's the way I'm seeing it, guys. So Knicks in six, and I'm sticking to that. All right, so that is your East Anyhow, this is the East, and I'll do the West shortly. So, once again, guys, thank you for listening. All Things Basketball with GD.com. Find me on YouTube, the platforms, all that. All right? I'm done. All right, guys. I'll talk to you. Take care. So, my peeps, if you like what you're listening to, you can go to my website, www.allthingsbasketballwithgd.com. You can also email me at thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. To support this podcast, you can go to my PayPal, and that email is thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. Also on my Anchor page, I have a support button there that you can also use to help the podcast. I'm on all the major platforms like Anchor, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon, SoundCloud, YouTube, CastBox, Radio Public, 
Podchaser, just to name a few. And also, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, and Fanbase. So, once again, I thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. And take care and be safe.